Well, everybody, 275 episodes is where we've come to. McGarvin's here with me as always, the man who with Wi-Fi who loves to talk about the Patriots. But the face right next to me is the newest addition to the Patriots beat, Sophie Weller from A to Z Sports. How are you doing today, Sophie? And before we talk about how is everything today at the uh, Gillette Stadium? I'm good. And first, I have to say I'm honored to be on for the 275th episode. (laughs) Um, But things were good today. Um, It was great to see Gerard Mayo, you know, just in his element, you know, you could tell that guy's a coach just from the way he spoke today and the way people responded to him and it's a whole different environment. We had a lot, a lot of laughter at that press conference. I'll tell you that much. You, you love to hear it. It's like a new chapter in new England and two things I'll say, just cause I want to get McGarvin's opinion on this is the one I was saying is how in Sophie said this, that it reminds her a lot of the D'Amico Ryan's hire in Houston, where you get that mm-hmm. character kind of building that people want to play for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and also do my opinion on it was I prefer Mayo over a Vrabel because I feel like with Vrabel, it kind of rushes the whole like rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. Because then people are saying, you know, hey, Patriots are going to make that step, make that leap to where if next year is like a 6-11 and 11 year, you know, people in Boston will be ripping their hair out, but not the fan base as a collective because they know what the long-term goal is. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think you see a lot of what made uh, Jerron Mayo such a good uh, – personality for TV when he was doing, you know, um, when he was working with or for NBC Sports Boston, right? When he had the the show with um, Phil Perry and Tommy Curran, he's very gregarious, very easy to, easy to buy into. Like the minute he starts talking, you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever you're selling, I'm buying a hundred percent. So obviously that came across in the press conference and it comes across um, Anytime you hear him speak in any forum, really, um, I thought he 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 was really good on the uh, what was, I think it was the next pods the the ex Pat's podcast originally with a uh, with a uh, Perry and and Curran, um, so it's just it's nice to see that translate, um, and I think the D'Amico the, the D'Amico Ryan's um, is a really good comp there with regards to like how he changes the energy because he's not. You know, he's not someone coming in. He's not stodgy, like first and foremost. You know, as my as my former coach was, um, and he's just he provides such a good energy, and his youth really shines through. And so it makes you feel like even if you are someone who didn't want Bill to go and aren't so you know aren't, aren't super sold on the idea of you know moving into this new era, I think just hearing the way he talks and the enthusiasm in which he talks about being a leader of men, you're like. Yeah, I can I can see this working out. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way as you. I don't need to repeat it, but it's just, it's this new beginning, it's this new era. It's this, like, new sense of optimism for Pats fans, which, look, like, it's weird to say, and I'm not going to come on here doing the whole, like, you know, hold on to the six rings, but it's something that you kind of, at the end of the day, you get to hold on to because, look, it's a very recent achievement. But at the same time, too, it's this new beginning where we don't know what to expect. I've been saying Pandora's box for this team pretty much since Tom left, and now... It's a brand new Pandora's box to where I think there's going to be moments of growth. There's going to be moments of annoyance, but that's, that's just how things go in the NFL when it comes to having a new head coach. And I still find it very impressive that I believe it's like 244 coaches have been hired since Bill was hired. And for the three of us who are all relatively young, this is the only the second true Patriots head coach that we've known. Yeah. Um, so quickly, just want to bounce back to last weekend and I'm going to start with you, Sophie. I wanted you to give me a team that surprised you in a good way and then a team that disappointed you from wildcard weekend. Yeah. So a team that surprised me was the Houston Texans. I, I just, you know, I've had high expectations all season for CJ Stroud, but that game, man, that was unreal to see what he was able to do. And, you know, I think, I think those Baltimore Ravens might have to be a little scared going into that game. I don't think it's going to be a breeze, even though I think they're like heavy favorites because CJ's not giving up no matter who he's playing. Um, so that's the one that surprised me. Uh, but the one that disappointed me, I think I got to go with like the basic Dallas Cowboys <laughs> losing <laughs> immediately. I mean, you know, I think I at least, you know, I think I at least expected like a divisional round exit, but to go out and wild card, against like the Packers like Jordan Love looked like probably his best game all season not trying to discount anything he did like he played unreal but I also think like the Cowboys just didn't step up to the plate as they have most of this season and so that was that's my disappointing one for sure 
Yeah, I think that's a Dallas is a really good one just because they no showed, right? If they had shown up and just lost, like they lost in the wild card, like I know that would still be disappointing, but the fact that they didn't even show up and for most of the game they were down at least 24 points, you're like, holy cow, like you're the Dallas Cowboys. They had no pass rush going, their defense looked absolutely, absolutely atrocious, especially over the middle. So it was just like, wow, I can't believe that, like. You know, to meme, you know, like the Dallas fan was like, this is our year, this is our year. I, I'm not going to lie. As, as someone who's not a fan of the Cowboys in any way, I kind of bought in. Like, by the end of the year, I was like, I think they can, like, make some noise and, like, compete. And then they went out there and laid a giant egg. However, they are not the team that disappointed me most. I think the team that disappointed me most is far and away the Miami Dolphins. They looked unprepared and un unfocused they look like they did not want to be out there um defense wasn't doing anything offense was doing even less so that was that was tough um they weren't a team that i thought would go in there you know go in arrowhead and just like dominate and win even though everyone's down on the chiefs this year and all that but i expected them to at least show up right they scored a seven points on that fluky weird dpi no just kidding it's actually a touchdown play um <laughs> but outside of that they did absolutely nothing else they didn't run the ball very well i mean that's really their bread and butter bread and butter i know that you know obviously you have Tua, you have tyreek and you have jalen um jalen waddle everyone's gonna you know immediately assume like hey this is a team that goes out there and they air it out and they do but for me i always think of when i think of miami this this season i think they're a team that really kills you on the ground right like they like you're you're so busy worried like all right we got to stop the playmakers over the top and then they just murder you on the ground they didn't either and i was like wow this is this is insane and i think as someone who's like lukewarm on tua right he went to alabama and that's my uh that's my favorite uh school so by default, I'm going to have a little bias, but as someone who's more lukewarm on Tua than outright cold or, or hot on him, it was just tough that, like, you know, he went out there and had the game that everyone told us he was going to have. They're like, oh, Tua can't play in the weather. Tua can't do this. Tua can't do that. And then he goes out there and, damn, they were right, <laughs> you know? So that was disappointing. Um, as far as teams that surprised me, I really – weirdly, I think it might be the Chiefs because, like I mentioned, we are all down on the Chiefs, and they didn't play super well. I do think, though, they um, they just showed enough on the ground as, like, a running team, right, with Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a few really good runs in there, and that really surprised me because I didn't think they had it. I know everyone loves Pacheco, and I think he's a, he's a good, uh, good back as well. I just didn't expect him to run against Miami, and I know they were missing a ton of starters, and everyone's going to, you know, caveat everything and cushion it all with, oh, well, you know, everyone was hurt and all that, but I just didn't see that kind of performance from them on the ground coming, um, and they were, like, absolutely – absolutely doing it i think their passing offense still looks kind of shady travis kelsey i mean i think he's a loss away from retirement personally they're really not doing too much but i think they surprised me because when you have patrick mahomes you kind of expect them to win one way right mahomes is going to go out there he's going to be jesus and he's going to make it happen so when they go out there and they win and he didn't do anything jesus like you're like okay that's a pleasant surprise so i would go with the chiefs as my pleasant surprise and miami as my huge 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 disappointment I think it's my like New England blood, but it's like I hear, you know, like I think about that as like the surprise. And I was like, you know, it's like Tom Brady in a playoff game with like Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, okay, he's not going to lose in the wild card round. Like I know what Tom Brady did his last season here, but like I, it's just like the, you know, the New England blood in me is just like, there's no way Patty Mahomes is about to go out there and like. No. And, no. and it, <laughs> you were right because he went out there and it didn't have to look pretty because it never does. Like it, it really only matters about winning. Like, um, you know, stats obviously matter and all that. But I think once you get to the postseason, like all that goes out the window. We just need the W at the end of the day so we can advance. So I'll be shocked, though, if they get past. That would be my surprise next week would be if they get past the Bills. The Bills are looking fire right now. Man, I just don't want to buy into the Bills because every time I do, they <laughs> immediately, immediately let me down. And I'm like, I can't do it again. I'm done hurting. Yeah. Um, with my the Dallas point, I want to make quickly because you know everyone was saying Dan coach Dan uh, Dan coach Dan Quinn for head coaching job. Like apparently Seattle is on his list, but then how do you sell the fan base on? Hey, you just got cooked by the Green Bay Packers. How are you going to be sure that doesn't happen here when Seattle gets back to the playoffs? And then with Miami, it's just like you said, they just were in the cold. They didn't want to play. And now if you're Tua, how are you expected to go to management and say, hey, give me forty five to fifty million dollars a year? You, you, can't, you can't do that. You got to play out the fifth year and see what happens. Um, for my pleasant surprise, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, honestly. Um, McGarvin and I kind of wrote them off last week. We were on here saying Philadelphia Eagles get right game. Uh, they let us down. They did. They did. And now you'll have Taylor Swift fans out here making Jason Kelsey ads for his uh, 
assumable retirement. I know it was reported, but I did listen to New Heights today, and he did mention that, look, he'll say something at the correct time and that nothing's official yet, but I think it is leaning in that direction. But with Tampa, we were really against them just because if you look at their last two weeks, one, they got carved up by the Saints, who just fired their entire offensive staff. And then they only scored nine points against Carolina to win the division. So you thought, you know, hey, this is a spot where Philly gets in. But if you want to talk about a team that didn't show up, I'm sorry, but the Philadelphia Eagles, two things about this game bothered me with them. One was the fact that they had fans in the stands wearing bags on their head when they have the second most playoff wins to New England over the last 20 years. And the other was just the collapse of a season. Like, I know I was talking about the Dan Quinn hypothetical, but how do you sell Nick Sirianni to the fan base where, look, you have the game where you yell at Chiefs fans and then you barely beat Buffalo. weird. And then he got, and then they got cooked by the Niners. They got cooked by the Cowboys. But my two biggest losses with them down the stretch were nearly blowing it on Christmas Day to the Giants and then letting the Giants walk all over you in Week 18. So mm-hmm. that's just it with Philly. But with Tampa, I thought, like, for sure, like, this weekend, this is the game I'm going to have the toughest time picking because you have Detroit and Tampa, two teams with quarterbacks that are reclamation projects, two head coaches that, look, a lot of people had questions about at first but have gotten their teams to buy in, and a Tampa pass defense that I think was 32nd in the league and a rushing offense that was 31st or 32nd in the league the last couple seasons. So – for Tampa to put it all together and just go out there and have an amazing performance, it's like Tom never left. It's almost like they're a weirdly better team this year in the playoffs than they were last year, and that was with the greatest of all time. And then for my disappointment, I'm going to go Cleveland. And it's not for offense because, look, the Joe Flacco pumpkin thing we kind of expected. It was the fact that their defense just completely shut down. Couldn't get a pass rush going. Miles Garrett was completely neutralized the entire game. And the fact, too, that... Look, I'm going to say this right now. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be an MVP frontrunner going into next season. I know it's he's only in his rookie year, but the kid's special. I don't know what Carolina was thinking passing up on him, but he's got the tools to do it. And then with Cleveland, like I said, it's just it's the defensive performance. Joel Flacco going into a pumpkin. We kind of saw that coming, but ultimately it was just it's the fact that they had this monstrous defense all year long, and that in the most critical moment they just said. No, no, we're good. And one other surprise I want to say is, is that Buffalo finding the two tight end sets is a very scary thing for this weekend against Kansas City. That is for Uh, sure. I'm a little afraid of uh, that Buffalo team. Afraid and also excited because, you know, I've always, despite the New England roots, mm -hmm. I, I like Buffalo. I like Josh Allen. I like, I think they're like a team you can't help but root for sometimes just like, but the way they play, they're like, I think they're similar to the Patriots in that like family mentality. Um, if you watch their like post game locker room videos when they win, so it's just like hard not to root for them. Um, but on your point about CJ, one thing I thought it was kind of like with this upcoming draft, I think that's so relatable to the Patriots, where it's like I've seen so many fans kind of be like, oh, they should trade for the number one overall pick and get Caleb Williams, and I don't, I totally disagree with that. I think keep your number three pick. Because you have Caleb go off the board and you'll have Drake May go off the board. And I think the perfect person to land in New England will land in New England. And that is Jaden Daniels. I think it is something, you know, you're starting over with a new head coach and possibly a new offensive regime. So bring in a quarterback with a skill set you're not used to. A running quarterback that is also the future of this league, as we're seeing. So why the heck not try that out? And they just won the Heisman. No big deal. That too. I think it's it's a a minor thing. It's interesting about Jane Daniels is um, everyone's talking about this this quarterback class, like a two QB class, right? They're like, you need to go up, you need to get, you know, Caleb Williams or you need to get Drake May. Otherwise, you don't have a guy. Um, I personally have always thought it was a three quarterback class um, and Jane Daniels winning the Heisman kind of just secured that. I, I see people still, you know, putting him in, in the second round of their mock drafts. And I think that's insane. He's a Heisman winning quarterback. He's going top 10. He's probably going top five. Um, and at this point, I am willing to put however much money is in my wallet, $12 on the fact that the quarterback's going to go one, two, and three. Um, and if, you know, if it's Jane Daniels at three, that's fine. I'm currently still a little bit higher on Drake may. Um, but obviously that'll change as the process goes, uh, goes along. But um, just to circle back to your point, Griff, you mentioned the, uh, the Cleveland defense, right. And I was just thinking about the point and I wanted to say, it, but I wasn't sure, but I remember last week when I was on, I talked about their their great, you know, their great cornerbacks, right? Yeah, Denzel Ward, Martin Emerson, and uh, Greg Newsom. 
and they went out there and got absolutely torched. And I'm like, holy shit. And all I can think about as I'm watching the game is I just sang all of their praises two days ago. <laughs> and they're out here laying a massive egg. Um, and then to your other point about um, about Buffalo finding the two tight end set, I'm almost reluctant to believe it um, simply because Gabe Davis wasn't in the lineup last week. Um, and if he ret- returns to the lineup, I wonder if they go back to that 11 personnel where they have, you know, him and Diggs on the outside and uh, Shakir in the um, in the slot, at which point you would only run one tight end. I think yeah. it would behoove them to go with the two tight end set because I think that's a cheat code in this league at this point, um, especially given that, you know, defenses are getting smaller, smaller and faster. Um, put your big guys out there and make them defend the size. Uh, but I don't know if they will just because we saw earlier in the year they attempted that and they kind of phased it out for, you know, for you know, obviously Dawson Knox got hurt. But uh, prior to him getting hurt, they'd already started phasing it out anyway. Um, yep. And they were just like, hey, we're going to focus on Dalton, Dalton Kincaid as our only tight end. Um, and so this past weekend with you know, obviously Gabe Davis out, it kind of changed how that goes. I'm hopeful that they go, you know, go that route um, next week. But, yeah, I every time I think, like I said, every time I think Buffalo has found something, they, you know, they let, you know, hang it out to dry, you know, earlier in the year, it looked like they had a running game and then it disappeared for like four or five weeks. And they went on that terrible, you know, that terrible rough patch. Um, And then they obviously found the run game again towards the end there. So we'll see if they, if they stick with it, if they do, I think that is a winning recipe. You kind of want to get, you know, I think the strength of Kansas city's defense is like, I think their edges are really good. Um, rushing the passer and I think they're really good at stopping the run but I also think their cornerbacks are really good right you have Trent McDuffie in you know in the slot you have I talked about Jalen Watson last week I like him more than most people do and then you also have the um the other one he was uh also all pro this year and I, I'm blanking on his name right now but I, I yes Legereus Sneed yeah, yeah, yeah so I think in an ideal world you want to take one of those good cornerbacks off the field and force them into their quote-unquote base package you want to put more linebackers less corners on the field um so it would be great if that's what they do I just don't know if they're gonna go that route Buffalo that is there's one reason I think it's Buffalo's year and that's because every other year where people are like oh this is their year like they're gonna win it and I don't think like I don't know if they're gonna win a Super Bowl. I'm not calling that, but I at least think they can maybe get past the next round. Is because like at one point this season they had a five percent chance to make the playoffs. So it's not like every other season where it's like they're a shoe in, you know, AFC Championship game. They'll be there. But this is more like no, they they were the underdogs this season, and they went from that to the number two seed. They've had to fight all this adversity to get there. Whereas in the past it's kind of been like they've rode a steady, you know, a steady line. So that's the only reason I can see this year possibly being different from others, but I could also watch that game and just like totally eat my words. Um, for me, that game Sunday night, um, sweet, here's how I put it. Whoever wins, it's whatever. Whoever loses, because there's the New England part of me that gets to go, like the memes of like the, there's a Simpsons meme of Bart's going, it's our year, and it's him wearing Bill's hat. <laughs> or it's the chance to quiet the Kansas City fans that you know we're trying to say that Pat's already here and Tom's here. So that's the whole thing with that. The other thing I'll say about that game Sunday too is, you know, how many people fall into the pit or how does a certain pop star fall in love with Orchard Park? We'll just have to wait and see all these facts out. I it's going to be a very interesting game. And also, too, how many times does, you know, Tony Romo just get overly excited during the Holy entire cow. Of the that's game? Gonna, that's going to be a hell of a hell of a show. That's like an over-under kind of situation. <laughs> I'll go uh, 109 and a half. Um, but that, the one thing I want to point out with with Buffalo, too, is, is that their linebacking core is very weakened right now. So, like, they have a lot. Terrell Barnard, I don't know if he's going to play. I know Christian Benford's. Been banged up. Taylor Rapp didn't play in the wild card round. Uh, Rasul Douglas, I don't believe, played in the wild card either. So I think this may be the Travis Kelsey game, especially too. Like if we're saying this could, because he's been a sneaky retirement candidate for me this year, just because I know he wants to do off field transitions to acting, which I think he's got the best chance to do right now. And then also to just the fact that he's, you know, he's the one of the guys where Father Time's finally catching up to him. Not in a bad sense. I'm just saying like, you know, it's not the flash and pop that we've seen from him in the last few years. So that game's going to be very exciting to see. But you know what? I was I was going to say this. We were going to talk about mail and then finish off with the uh, divisional round. But would you guys want to change it up and do the divisional round right now? Sure. Why not? All right. Cool. So you know what I got to do, guys? I got to put the graphics on the board. 
And we're going to start with the Houston Texans traveling up to Baltimore, which, fun fact, that's where they began their season, uh, where Baltimore's a nine-point favorite in this game. I don't know if Houston's going to win, but I definitely, like Sophie was saying earlier, I like them to keep this game close on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think C.J. Stratigan is like a sneaky candidate, you know, for that that MVP spot that you were mm-hmm. that you were talking about. But, you know, he, I I think, you know, the the Ravens have showed some struggles this season. I mean, I always so my boyfriend's like a diehard. He's Baltimore born and bred. And I always make fun of him because they've lost to the Steelers now twice this season. But like one of those losses was like a legit loss. It's not like the week 18 one where they sat everyone. And I look at that and I, and I see those struggles. I see how that can happen. So with that, it's if they go into that game and it's, you know, CJ is balling out again, how, are they going to be able to handle that for the offense to do what they need to do? Yeah, I, I, um, I'm curious to see how this game goes as well. I think Baltimore's pass defense is a little overrated, right? I think they have more names in the game, right? Marlon Humphrey still gets talked about as like, an elite cornerback and he has not been this year and wasn't for most of last year either. Um, I, I I think Kyle Hamilton is obviously one of the best safeties in the league. He's probably top three. He's not number three. So he's a really good player and they like to move him around a lot. So I think he'll have some opportunities to get after um, CJ Stroud, but their pass defense kind of worries me. Their pass rush is less good than Cleveland's was, but I wonder if it'll be shut down the same way in the same way, just because they have so many different guys who they can throw at you, right? You have Odafe Owe, who I think is a stud player. Kyle Van Noy is playing really well, giving them really good pass rush. Um, so I, I, I'm so curious to see how that looks, but on the other side, I think Lamar Jackson is going to have his way, absolutely have his way with that Houston defense. And it's, I think we're in store, we're in store for like a, a very good game, simply because I think it, it can be very high scoring. I think Baltimore's defense is overrated, uh, and so I think C.J. Stroud will have some opportunities there. And on the flip side, I think the Texas defense is just not not as good as Baltimore's offense, and so they'll have some opportunities there. So I'm, I'm thinking take the over, take the point. It's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I completely agree with um, everything you guys both said. Um, my other thing, too, with uh, – Baltimore as well as Mike McDonald's done a really good job with that defense as I realized I had to upgrade the graphics because of the wildcard ones that got in there somehow. But um, I ultimately think this could be a Big 12 shootout style game where, look, everyone's going to think it's going to be low scoring. It could be defensive, but I just don't see a world where Houston's defense has a repeat performance of what we saw against Cleveland last week because who plays Cleveland twice a year? Baltimore does. So any disguises that Houston may have tried to pull, like they're probably going to pull that right away because they know how the Cleveland wide receivers run. They know what the running game is like. They know what the tight end game is like. So that's where I think it's going to be a short game. But at the end of the day, I feel like with this game too, because if Houston loses, it's not that bad. Like even last week too, Sophie McGarvin and I said with Houston, Cleveland, whoever loses, yeah, it's going to suck, but it's not a disappointing season. Meanwhile, if we saw this four years ago where Tennessee went, in to Baltimore, took their lunch from them and made them eat it too. Um, so and they turned Will Thomas into a lead blocker. Yes. <laughs> um, but with this game, I I, I, I got to stick with Baltimore just because at the end of the day, I feel like when it comes to playoff football, I trust. I'm going to trust Lamar Jackson for as much as I like CJ Stroud. I'm going to trust Lamar Jackson to either make the bigger play or not turn the ball over as much. You know, like when when that time comes to make the big difference making play, because we didn't get to see that from CJ Stroud last week. It was just kind of, Hey, here's the keys to the car. Now drive it. Also Mark Andrews is back. I don't like anyone mentioned that. So Mark Andrews, it's not like confirmed, confirmed, but he was like a full, I think I saw he was a full participant today in practice. So they're, they're getting him back. And I also have like a sneaky suspicion, like Zay flowers is about to go off. And maybe that's just cause like he's Boston college alum, (laughs) but I'm like, this guy's about to like go. (laughs) You know, I think it's a sneaky, uh, sneaky wild card is going to be uh, tight end um, Isaiah Likely. I think mm-hmm. he stepped up really well in Mark Andrews' absence. I think putting them both on the field at the same time is is going to be gas. So I, I'm excited about that. I think he, I think he can have a huge game, especially because you know Mark Andrews is going to command a certain amount of attention. I think Zay Flowers is firmly in that position as well where, you know, maybe you're not double teaming him, but, you, you know, you're, you're kind of putting your best corner over there like, hey – 
Go go make sure number four doesn't <laughs> doesn't ruin this for us. Uh, Rashad Bateman, I still like. I still believe in him, but he's not he's not scaring me as a defensive coordinator. I think really you're going to have to look out for Mark Andrews. You're going to have to look out for Zay Flowers, and if that is the case, Isaiah likely is your uh, is your wild card there. And with a team, sorry to cut you off, Sophie. And with a team where tight ends a question for next year, um, it would be really nice to see a certain Houston tight end end up in New England. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. No, I was just going to say the um, – that's very true. The other thing I was just going to joke is that Buffalo – uh, the Ravens might be watching that Buffalo tape soon to learn that two tight end system. They really want to get it down. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, you know what? That could be that could be a duel next Sunday night. Next Sunday afternoon, excuse me, on CBS. But Saturday night, we're going to the Bay as the Green Bay Packers travel to San Francisco to take on the Niners. And – I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I'm going San Francisco and I'm going, I'm going a low scoring dog fight. I'm thinking like 20 to six or something like that. You know, just, I think I'm not saying green Bay was bad. I'm just saying, think about this. They, they had to go to, from Wisconsin to Texas back up to Wisconsin. Now you're going to travel cross country to California to go play the best team in football. And with a game like this, I honestly think this is a game where it's just, Green Bay gets carved out. It's kind of like, remember the NFC Championship game from 2020 where Brock Purdy didn't have to do a whole, like Jimmy Garoppolo, excuse me, didn't have to do a whole lot. Raheem Mostert had, I believe, like 206 yards in the ground. I'm not saying it's going to be like that, but it's in a sense of the same style of play where it's just, you know, instead of just a quick and painless death, it's going to be slow, methodical, just torturous for the Green Bay Packers Saturday night. For yeah, I can, legend, Jimmy I can, Garoppolo. I can see that happening. I can see it being... Um, bad for bad for green bay just because seeing how how they won against dallas right it wasn't so much that they were doing some like super amazing things it was just dallas didn't show up prepared they were blowing coverages i mean left and right east and west north and south it was like everywhere you looked, there was a defender on the ground some guy running away from him just 40 yards just down the field um i just don't know that that's going to happen against you know the niners so i think green bay is going to have to earn it and i just I'm putting more trust in the Niners defense than I am in Green Bay's offense. And then on the flip side, I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan has one of the best offensive schemes in the league. Obviously it's, you know, damn near everyone at this point. is like, get, get a Shanahan guy. Um, But you see the way they just get guys just wide, wide, wide open. Um, And these are like top guys, you know, getting open. It's not like, Oh, they're, they're out here. And Juwan Jennings is like, yeah, like low key just kind of getting open and no one saw him coming. It's like, Oh yeah, we're going to scheme it up. And Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel of all people is 19 yards downfield, completely, uh, completely uncovered. So I think uh, it can get really ugly that way. Christian McCaffrey, I believe um, he was limited, but I I believe he'll play. Um, Yeah. I, Give me the Niners as well. I think it was a fun little story for Green Bay for the, uh, you know, you want, you went in there, you won the wild card round. No one really believed that you could. Now we really don't believe. And I think we're going to be right on this one. Yeah. I echo what you both said about the 49ers. I think this is, you know, in a better sense, their game to lose. You know, they have all the tools to go in and win this thing. Um, It's just, they have to show up and do that because this uh, Green Bay Packers team has, has proven that they're willing to rise to the challenge. Um, but with that, I also just, I think it's just a good story too, to get, if Brock Purdy can get this win, because like, I always go back to that last year's NFC championship when he got hurt and was, had to come back in, I think it was against the Eagles, but like, couldn't throw, they were just running the ball. And it's like, I want him to get that chance this year to like, have a shot at it. Yeah. I I also want him to get that. that, uh, I also want him to get that chance just so that we don't have to endure the 19 weeks of crying from the, the Niners fans. That was, that was the worst part of that NFC championship game. They lost and it was just a month of like, Oh, if we had Brock or if we had any quarterback at all, Oh, we would have made you pay. And it's like, all right, bro. Like we get it. But like, <laughs> it was the middle of July and they were still saying it. And it was, it wasn't even just the fans. It was the players, right? They're interviewing Debo Samuel at, you know, at poolside in August. And he's still like, well, I swear if Purdy played. And I'm like, Holy cow. So I don't know if we can really endure another another saga of them just crying, just like uh, go out there, win the game, go to the championship game, and, and see what happens from there. Goodness. I completely agree with both of what both of you said. And, like, you want to see the Brock Purdy redemption angle, but also, too, you want to see it because if not, it's going to be that narrative which, you know, Cam Newton kind of opened up with two uh, name-dropping two and name-dropping Dak and name-dropping Brock. So 
That says as well. Oh, I feel like this is he's a game. He's 2-0 right now. Yeah, he is. He's 2-0. But the first two we kind of like predicted. Um, this game, though, it's honestly, if Brock Purdy just goes and does what he does best, play good football, complimentary football. That's going to be the theme of this game for them. Play complimentary football. And another player to watch for in this game for a potential candidate to come to New England this next year could be Ayuk. We'll see what happens there. But he'd be a really nice piece, even though McGarvin thinks he's the proper wide receiver one in San Francisco. He um, is. He is the guy. He is the guy. He's My the true yak guy. would agree. My <laughs> fans loved him this year. <laughs> and now for the game that, honestly, I'm having such a toss-up time predicting between the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Buccaneers where if you want to go to this game, it'll cost you about $2,500. So I'll watch Ooh, it at yeah. home with, with Mike and Chris. Um, but honestly, I flip-flop back and forth between this game for a couple reasons because with Detroit, you know how two years ago when – Buffalo cooked New England in the wild card round and they got caught playing We Are the Champions afterwards and then they lost the next week and we all kind of said that's your Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm getting the similar vibe from Detroit where last week was their Super Bowl. So that's where I could see a world where they win or lose. But with Tam- I'm more focused on Tampa because it's can you do what you did last week against a good opponent? But the reason why I think they can is because we've seen this Detroit Lions defense get exposed. They made a proper, proper adjustments at halftime last Sunday, but... For a long time, that was just a shoot. That was a shootout in Detroit last uh, Sunday night. So this game, honestly, I think it's going to come down to whichever quarterback reverts to their old bad ways, or you know, whichever defense just can't make a play at the right time. Kind of like what we saw two. If you guys remember two years ago, the Rams Bucks divisional round game where Todd Bowles said, "Hey, let's run cover zero with under a minute to go," and it cost them. Same thing could happen here. I don't know. I'm. I can't give up on the Lions. I can't. I, I'm not. I'm not ready to give up on the Lions yet. Yes, I think that was a huge win for them to do it at home, and especially over the Rams and over Stafford. But I think this is this is a good football team this year. I think they have all the pieces. Uh, they just can't get caught up, maybe like Buffalo did. <laughs> but if they can put together a performance similar to what they did last week and what they've been showing they're capable of, then I'm not, I'm not giving up on the lions. I'm taking them. Ooh, ah, I, I'm also going to take the lions, but I have less belief uh, than you do, Sophie. Just, I, you know, I, oh, it was, it was alarming, <laughs> right? The second half of, of last week's game, they only put up three points and they looked like they were ready to give the game up. Uh, it was just LA just didn't, didn't seize it. Uh, I, I just, I believe in the Bucks less than I do in the Lions. I just, man, it was just a lot of weird things happened in that Bucks-Eagles game, right? And I think that speaks to the current state of Philly, right? They're in, in bad shape, right? They lost, what, six of their last seven um, at this point. Not a, not a great team. Um, and there were just weird things happening, like Baker throwing directly to a linebacker. I, I counted three separate times. He threw it directly to a linebacker. Linebacker had both hands on it and then just didn't make the catch, right? And they scored on all, all three of those drives. So it gets really weird um, when things like that happen because can we assume that, hey, Baker is going to throw it to a linebacker in Detroit and the linebacker is not going to catch it? No. However, the linebackers in Detroit – might also just drop them because they're not very good. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm super curious. Um, and in those cases, I will just take the offense I believe in more. And I, I believe in Detroit's offense more. I tweeted it out um, during the game. And it's something I haven't really thought about a lot with Jared Goff. But he makes like six or seven plays a game that remind you, oh, yeah, this guy was like taken first overall. Like they, they took him at the very top of the draft. And that's why. But then he also makes like three or four plays where you're like, ah, all right, I see why the, I see why he's no longer a Ram, right? I, I see why they moved on from him. Um, so it really does come down to like, will he be able to make more of those, oh my gosh, look at that throw versus the, oh my gosh, look at that throw. Um, and I think between him and Baker, I think they're similar, um, similar players in the sense of they can get a little streaky. So I think the first one to make an error can have the entire game avalanche on them. And I'm just going to put it on Baker making that error before Jared Goff does. So that's why I'm taking the lines as well. You know what, for as much as I've said it, and I thought that at the end of the day that they wouldn't do it, 
I gotta go with what Sophie said and the fact that you you, you don't want you you don't want to see this lion's roar go like a kitten. You want to see them roar like a lion or roar like what the you know eye of the tiger. I like on the rest of the lyrics of the Katy Perry song, but um, you want to see that out of Detroit. And at the end of the day, I feel like like you're saying, McGarvin, when it comes down to who's gonna make the play and. Who's going to get it done more? I trust Goff and the offensive weapons of Detroit, especially the running game. Both running yeah. backs had a touchdown last week. That is a, Isn't it wild that Detroit's been able to, you know, they got rid of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and effectively replaced them with Jameer Gibbs and Dan Montgomery at the same or better production. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. TJ Hawkinson with Sam Laporta. And one player I want to acknowledge because I feel like not that he's underrated, but I feel like he's a lot underappreciated is Jamison Williams because he's one of those guys that, quote unquote, has you basically you get on the ball, run him on a go route, he's just going to go boop, 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 and just have like a rocket shoot out of his, rocket shoot out of his butt. Um, so when it comes to that, and also I'll say this too, take the over on this game. If I'm not sure how much of a gambler you are, Sophie, but take the over if you want to bet this game. But I'll say this as well. I think this game is the number six and a half right now, and I like it to be close. I like like a 27 to 24 football game, you know, where it comes down to like the late. I think it's badly kicking for Detroit this week, but that's the thing too. And then unfortunately, I'm going to say this right now. I think whoever wins this game is just, you're getting fed to the Niners. I'm sorry. I think that's just what's going to end up happening. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, take. <laughs> that's fair. And I, I think that's why I, um, I know, People are down in the AFC this year, especially given all the injuries. Um, but I think it's less predictable than the NFC. Like right now, and mm-hmm. really for the last month of the season, we're just like, all right, who is going to go and lose in the championship game to the Niners the entire time? Um, and my opinion of that hasn't changed. We watched, you know, the the other team, the other three teams playing this weekend. We watched all of them play last weekend, and absolutely nothing changed. I'm just like, all right, well, who is going to get that to the Niners? Because that's what's that's what's going to happen. Whereas the AFC, you know, you have Baltimore, Houston, you know, Kansas city and Buffalo. And I can see any one of those, you know, any, any combination of those teams in the championship game next week. So it'll, it'll be interesting. I think the NFC is kind of just buttoned up though. Whoever, whoever it is, is going to go to the Niners and they're probably going to get killed and the Niners are going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know that they'll win, but I, yeah, that's, that's it for me. I, I think the same thing too, and like you're saying, because I completely agree with you with the with the AFC, where you can make a case for all four teams. And the last two teams of the weekend, like I don't know if we're gonna get the fireworks we got two years ago, because I feel like every game since then, everyone thinks that it's gonna be this like crazy firework game. I could see it happening, but I could also see a game like what we saw on Monday, like what we saw two nights ago, where you know both teams kind of. Both teams kind of go a little, not quiet, but don't have that explosive offensive firepower that we saw. Um, but with Buffalo, I'm going to come out and say this for as much as you can't have to trust 15 in January. I want to go Buffalo just because this seems like a big now or never year. If not now, when with the Buffalo Bills? Because with Kansas City, we know they're going to get back there. We know they're going to do this. And Apart from the big throws that Josh Allen made, the Josh Allen run for as much well, controversy or whatever you want to call it surrounding it, he basically just said, hey, guys, I'm putting this team on my back and I'm leading us to the promised land. I, I've ripped them this year because, look, I have a saying where it's good teams win, great teams cover, which Buffalo 7-10 in the year against the spread. But, you know, 
like we talked about Miami losing when you should win. Buffalo's a team that, look, Week 18, they went into Miami and they said, yeah, no problem. We're going to win the game. They needed a big play. What happened? Deontay Hardy got the punt. Uh, Sherfield, I think is his last name, 15 or 16, big play. Yeah, Trent Sherfield, yep. Trent Sherfield. And even still, the biggest play from the game came from Khalil Shakir, a guy who, you know, look, holy crap, the athleticism on that touchdown. But the fact that your game-winning touchdown came from an unsung hero, we've seen this in New England for years, and that's what you need to win. Kansas City got by off Butker field goals. You're not going to do that against Josh Allen on Sunday. Agree. Agree. I think that um, that Week 14 game is uh, really instructive, right? I think we're going to say, oh, you know, but it's it's the playoffs now, so the Chiefs are just going to flip a switch and turn it on. Um, I haven't seen anything to indicate that that would be the case. I think what we saw when they played in the regular season – you know, I know it ended in the controversy of Kadarius Tony lining up offside. He was so offside. Um, but I think it was through and through that was Buffalo's game, right? Like we watched it and it was like, I think the better team won that game. And I think it's entirely possible that the better team, Buffalo, wins, you know, this upcoming game. Um, and I think it being at Orchard Park is is an advantage, um, even though the Bills don't really play well in weather uh, for being a cold weather team. They don't. They don't play super well in weather, but um, I just I think that dynamic of it being flipped, it's not an arrowhead. You know, Mahomes is going to have to come out to a hostile environment, uh, a tough place to play and make it happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious. I, I think Buffalo can take it. First time with fans playing in front of Highmark Stadium. So remember, the only yeah. other time Patrick Mahomes went there was 2020. It was a Monday afternoon because of COVID. So that's my other big factor, too, because here's the other thing. For as much as you want to say Patrick Mahomes is impressive, the fact that this is his first road playoff game in his, what, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 6th season starting, that is the most impressive stat to me. But ultimately, Kansas City, sure, they may have the better defense, but right now when it comes down to what offense I trust more, I reluctantly go Buffalo because, look, there's the Patriots fan side of me that's going, I want to see them lose, but then there's the football realist in me going, there's a very good chance that this team rides. Because also, do remember, there was the off-field stuff as well, that art, that hit piece article that came out about a month ago. And ever since then, they've just, they haven't lost. So we'll see what happens. I don't want to bring up the contents of that article for obvious reasons, but this team has a different aura behind them surrounding other Buffalo teams, especially considering how last season ended for them as well. Yeah, getting, getting killed by Cincinnati will do that. I meant more or less the... Um, Everything that happened in the first Cincinnati game. Just, I feel like they were mentally drained. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Yep, sure. With all the handle stuff. Agreed. <laughs> so, Buffalo, I guess, I feel like every game we've picked so far, everyone's kind of part, like, we're all just, like, same. Let's all just go with the road teams and then just go from there. Um, but, guys, you know, sometimes with, you know, when you want to have a sandwich, you pick your condiments. But this time, it's different. You pick a condiment for head coach because now we have a head coach the side of mail. So uh, for those of you guys who don't know yet, and we'll plug all of her stuff later, but Sophie was at the press conference today. So from a firsthand perspective, I, how do you feel about everything? What's the vibe? What's just the overall, I'm going to use a weird word, a weird word here, aura that you got from Gerard Mayo today. It, first I got to say, it's so different. Um, you know, I, I just finished up my first season as a full-time reporter on the beat. I had done some work the um, 2022 season uh, for Mass Live as an intern during the summer and a little bit more during the year, but this was my first time fully covering the team, you know, being there every day and being at every single Bill Belichick press conference where, you know, 90% of the time your articles say Bill Belichick declines to comment on, you know, whatever it is. This time you have a coach who's open with the media. It's not going to be the same he was as, you know, when he was linebacker coach, but this is a guy who just everything about him is just like this joyous, you know, feeling in the room. He brings laughter and he was cracking jokes. He told us his nickname for Robert Kraft and called him it like 12 to 15 times throughout the press conference. It wasn't like a one-off thing. It's thunder, by the way, for anyone wondering. So just to be there and to experience that compared to, you know, because I was also at Bill Belichick's final press conference. I covered that one live as well. And, you know, it's sad because it's the end of an era and it's all of that. But it's just, it's the mood is so different between these two guys. And I think it's a needed change. You know, I, I was all season on this keep Bill Belichick train. I thought, you know, 
he's he is the greatest coach of all time. You got to keep him like the defense is still great. I think it's the offense, you know, he needs help with. But and then I was on the train of bringing in Mike Rabel because he had experience as a head coach rather than Mayo, who, you know, didn't even have wasn't even an official coordinator. That changed the minute the announcement was made, my opinion. And I like immediately actually wrote an article on it that I was like, I am wrong. (laughs) I take it back. I think Mayo was undoubtedly the best choice because the way the players reacted to this guy, they want to play for him. They are so excited. They're still posting about, you know, can't wait for the season. It's You know, we're going to bring in all this stuff. And it's like, this is a guy that relates to the players, but also isn't afraid to like tell them what, what he's what he's thinking if they're not playing well and they need that they i think they needed a little bit of both it's like having a boss in the workplace when it's like hey you could be chummy you could be friends with them you can go get a beer with them after work but you know hey when it's time to go it's time to go and i know a lot of the time in the nfl it's always been boss has to be the superior it's not like college football where it's you know they need a babysitter but it's that like whole i'm supposed to be the superior figure you're supposed to be afraid of me kind of like what we've seen with bill but Gerard brings that same Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryans, and even I'll say this to an extent, for as much as you want to ask your players if they took the car to work, if they took the bus, and if they have that fire in their gut in Jonathan Gannon. So all in all, you're getting that play, that that coach to where if this team next year is only like, you know, a 6-10, and 10, a 6-11, and 11, excuse me, or a 7-10 and 10 team, kind of like we saw Chicago this year go from a 4-win team to a 7-win team where, look, there's some great wins along the way, but there's also some very annoying losses. I feel like after the season that they just had, New England fans won't be mad at that. Some radio personalities in Boston might have some other different things to say, but that's just that's between the three of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm interested I'm interested in seeing how it all shakes out. Um I think what we heard over the uh the weekend was admittedly a little troubling, right? You you know, the they may not go. They may not go forward with you know, hiring a GM, or you know the the talk of oh, you know if it's not Bill O'Brien, it's going to be Josh McDaniels, and so it felt very samey. Um, but I, I think that press conference kind of assuages my fears just a little bit. You're like, okay, like it sounds like you know Gerard is the kind of guy who's going to go out there and really put a stamp on the team. Where over the weekend it was really feeling like. This is Bill's team with, you know, a new head coach, and that is just it. Um, so I think as long as he's allowed to, and we saw the reports, you know, Ian Rapport reported he had reached out um, to do interviews for, you know, defensive coordinator with the Panthers linebackers coach, um, the Falcons special teams coordinator. You know, so it's like, all right, cool. He is reaching out. He is looking to branch out and kind of bring in some new faces, fresh ideas yep. and all that. And I really think that's, you know, that is the direction you want to go in now that you've made the decision to move on from Bill, right? Because I was also someone who was very big, like, you know, keep Bill. He he deserves to, you know, kind of finish what he started, you know, let him go out on his own terms and all that. But I think once you make that decision to move on from him, at that point, what I was looking for was go full reset, go ahead, go out there, and just don't bring us back the same guys and say, hey, it's the start of a new era. The GM's the same, the OC's the same, the defensive coordinator's the same, but new era, I promise. Um, so it was really encouraging, right? <laughs> it was really encouraging that, you know, that wasn't the vibe that we got at that press conference. So I'm like, you know, cautiously optimistic. And I think, yeah. you know, he had a one-on-one with um, with Steve Burton, Steve Burton. Who, who works at, uh, you know, WBZ, right, Channel 4, Um and that was really illuminating as well because he was the same, you know, Gerard Mayo that we knew from, you know, Quick Slants when he did the Quick Slants, the TV show, or Quick Slants, the podcast, when he jumped on that with uh, Perry and Curran as well. Um, and he was just so open with some things. And I'm like, okay. And, I, and I'm not someone who, who needs the coach to be open, right? You know, Bill Belichick was my coach for, you know, 20 of my 31 years in life. So it's like, you know, I, don't, I really don't need it. But at the same time, having someone, you know, who is open about – about everything you're like okay cool this is this is going to be different it's going to take a little adjustment for me personally but Mm -hmm. this is different and different isn't necessarily bad i think um as we go on new england you know the patriots fans will you know start to come around to that idea as well it's like hey just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad even the pro belichick folk are going to you know i think kind of turn their tide there um i'm just really hoping that everyone kind of exercises a little patience because the biggest lie being told is that it was all Bill um, and it was just coaching. Um, but 
this is not a very good team, right? <laughs> um, and this isn't a team you can overhaul in one offseason. You're not going to go out there and get a rookie quarterback and think we are all set because you still need a left tackle. You're not going to go out there and get a quarterback and a left tackle and say we are all set because you still need a wide receiver. You're not going to go out and get those three and say we are all set because you still need tight ends. There, there are needs all over the roster, um, and I think it's going to take more than you know. There, there are more needs than than you know premium draft picks. So I don't think I think everyone needs to just exercise a little patience. It's probably not going to look super great uh, in September. Probably won't even look super great in October. Uh, but I think as long as you're building towards something, that's what I'm looking for. I think something too that really stuck out to me with the craft, with what uh, Robert Kraft said today, um, and this was, you know, I immediately when I was when I sat down to write, this was the first thing that I wanted to write about because he said something in '96. He didn't trust his gut. He didn't trust his instinct, and he didn't hire Bill Belichick right away. He missed on that opportunity. In 2000, when the opportunity came, he took advantage of it because he he knew he had missed his opportunity. He didn't trust his instinct. So when it so he said when it came to Gerard, 24 years later, he wasn't making that same mistake. And I think that's so telling that for him to put it's it's really the ultimate praise you can give someone is to say, you know, I didn't the same way I didn't want to miss on Bill Belichick. I didn't want to miss on you. Because I think you're just, a, you're that good. So, you know, I, that's just everything to me. Yeah, because like, and people should not take that statement as, you know, Draw's going to win another, we're going to have 12 banners hanging in the, um, you'll be, you'll be, you two will be better at this than me because I've only been to Gillette Stadium the one time in my life, but the south end zone, I want to say, opposite the new lighthouse where there's, Robert Carr's going to do additional stadium renovations on top of the $320 million he spent over the last two years where there's going to be more banners hanging. No, it's just more about, and I've said this ever since Tom left, just give me a football team every Sunday that can be competitive. That's why I say Chicago, because if you look at what the Bears did, going from the four-win team they were to the 17-win team they were, like they went out and traded for Montez Sweat, but they built talent from within with guys like Jalen Johnson, guys like Tyreek Stevenson. So if we can see guys like that, either on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball hit, kind of like what we saw with Demario Douglas, sixth-round pick coming into his own, um, even we'll see what Tyquan Thornton can be, even though I don't know if it's much at this point. And then even a guy like yeah, Keyshawn, October. yeah, I think the experiment's dead. But then even like a guy like Keyshawn Booty, who probably will get a chance now because for all season long, it seemed like ever since week one, he was in Bill's doghouse, which I feel like you're not going to see that with Gerard. You're not going to see the Jonas Gray flash where it's like, hey, you have this one incredible game against the Indianapolis Colts, and then you're late to practice because of a snowstorm and you're banished for the rest of history. Um it's just that excitement for something new. It's that excitement feeling for something new. But I really like what you said about the whole trusting your gut instinct. But there's something else my gut instinct is telling me. And because of everything that's gone on, February 16th just can't get here fast enough. I know the football season will be over, but that Apple TV series is going to tell us so much that we don't know. I've gotten to know a bit of it just because I've you – know, I don't know if you know the book The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict – a lot of it's, it's sitting on my nightstand. I've read it. <laughs> it's sitting up in my room right now too. I, I love that book. And I always tell people when they question the Patriot dynasty, I'm just like, read the book. Um, but I want to transition to GM because look, we don't know what's going on there yet, but as you're the, you're the lady here on the beat report for the Patriots. Do you either have any, either any inklings or tells into what you think could potentially happen? Do you think it'll be macro? Do you think it'll be Elliot Wolf? Or do you think there's an outside candidate we don't see coming yet? I think there is an outside candidate, but I don't think they're rushing to make that move. I think, you know, they're trusting their their personnel right now, and they might even do that for, like, the draft. I, I don't even see a move coming maybe before then. I'd be kind of shocked because that's what all the reports have been saying. But I think, bro, I think Wolf, I think they still have a prominent voice in all of this and will play a main factor. What got me today is, and I think, Actually, before that, I think what's telling is that we're also going to learn how much of their say was influencing Bill Belichick. To we we don't know how much that affected one another. And like on WBZ today with Gerard, he specifically said like, "You got with the number three pick. You guys know what position we're drafting. <laughs> I'll let you figure it out. We all know what position they're drafting. It's." You know, well, at least I'm not going to say we know. <laughs> I don't have anyone telling me, but it seems like it's a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, so. the exact quote was, 
we're uh, going to draft the best player at a very important position. I mean, he's not talking about a punter. So, like, yeah, I agree. I, I think we do know. Um, and if we're going to pre- – I guess we can play coy and pretend we don't know. Like, oh, who are they going to take? They're going to take a quarterback. We don't know the Dallas name Turner. of the quarterback. But <laughs> please, please. <laughs> Joe Alt's coming to New England next year. Oh, God. Joe is still the coach. I mean, I get it. We need to tackle the I'm already looking at what's his. I think his name's Kingsley Shipley at 34 from BYU. That's my ideal pick for to fill out line because we also said this last week too. I want to hear your opinion on this, Sophie, with the line position. I think you got to go and spend big in free agency, but then you also got to draft someone either in the mm-hmm. not. I don't even want to say day two or day three. I think you, you got to get a day two lineman. Yeah. No, I definitely. I think a day two lineman is definitely the way to go. The other thing I'm going to throw out with the tackle position, Michael Wenu wants to come back. We know that. That's been said. I think there is a chance now Trent Brown could come back. I genuinely do. And I have been the one who has actually spoke with him numerous times and reported on, I spoke with him about free agency and he's, you know, exclusively. And he told me, you know, if they wanted it to happen. It would have happened already. He, along with Mac Wilson have probably been the two most active guys on social media in support of Gerard the last few days. Like I've never seen Trent that active on social media this season. And he's been posting so much in favor of Gerard. I know, I think some fans are kind of done with him, but he's a good lineman or a good tackle. You notice when he's out there compared to when he's not out there. And I'm not, I'm not against that move. I actually think it would not, it's not a bad move to bring Trent Brown back, especially for a guy. I think he would work for Gerard. He just wants to see change and he got it. He wasn't willing to, I don't think, say it on the record, but he said a lot of other things on the record, but that wasn't one of them. Um, but based on the way his social media page is, you know, how he's been doing that, to me, it seems like he's kind of hinting like, hey, I want to be in the conversation. Um, one question yeah. I have, for, oh, I was just going to say this before we, we Bogart, make a point because I want to play a quick game with you guys before we wrap up. If you guys had to pick one candidate that's a free agent that you think is an absolute must sign, who is it and why? But McGarvin, I'll let you make your point first, and then we can start with the fun little exercise. Oh, no, your, your, your exercise is way better than mine. Let's jump right into that. Okay. All right. You know what? Since uh, you think it's so good, I'm going to let you go first. Cool. Um, oh, Jonah Williams, offensive tackle um, by way of Alabama. He's currently a Cincinnati Bengal. Um, he's a free agent at the end of this year. Um we know that they they signed uh, was it Orlando uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. Um, I think they they have uh, what's his name Cameron Jackson. I know he's been he's been playing a little bit of tackle as well. I know he's also moved inside to play uh, a bit of guard. Um, I I I think though he's a sneaky good player who who someone he's not going to go out there and get like the day one like someone's going to pay him a hundred million dollars and you know. Everyone's going to be like, well, we didn't have the money. I think he is the kind of player, though, that um, can come in and immediately solidify your O-line. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a huge deal. He's, uh, I believe he'll be 20, uh, 26 or 27 uh, at the start of next year. Give him a nice two-year deal, kind of shore it up, draft someone, and then you have someone you know, hey, we're going to get competent you know, O-line play out of him right now while we work on developing the guy we have behind him so that's a that's a player and i know it's not a sexy name everyone wants like a receiver or or someone else exciting uh but i think um that o-line position i i, I completely agree with you i think i agree both of you go out there get yourself a day two tackle but at the same time don't leave yourself in a position where you're like hey i need a, a rookie and michael and Wenu, and that's all we have for tackles because their tackle depth right now is atrocious you can't bring back Vidarian low he cannot be playing nfl games mm-hmm happen to agree and I, I think what you said there was crucial the depth that's what's missing in this team it's like you know they had two solid tackles but Trent Brown missed half the games more than because of injury so it's like you know so then who you're putting in there to replace him is when things get more challenging um with all that and things like that for my are we going like a non-patriot or are we you- like one I'll be honest with you. The exercise was originally going to be for current Patriots, but you can do whatever you want. I'm going to do one of each. How's that? That sounds good. I'm going to go Mac Wilson. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He was so good in the last month and a half. Holy cow. Um, He is such a – he actually – I spoke to him again about 
Gerard, and he basically said, like, you know, if Gerard's there, I want to be there. So he wants to come back. He's willing to come back. And I think that combined with the fact that of how good he was this season is like a must for the Patriots along with Michael Wenny. Like those are my two that it's like, just sign them already. Like what, what are we waiting for? Like why? Um, the one that I think is, should be from outside the Patriots. I'm going to go T Higgins. Cause they mm-hmm. need a star receiver. He's been in the talks. I know everyone's like, Oh, let's bring him to new England. Let's bring him to new England. Let's bring him to New England, get them a top receiver. Uh, and, you know, I think what they have to do is, you know, you're going to get a quarterback in here, a rookie quarterback. Give him the weapons. If you want a guy, if you want a quarterback to succeed, he needs weapons to throw to. And getting a guy like T. Higgins, who makes these unrealistic catches that you're like, what just happened, is a number one way to do that. So that would be my pick. One pick for outside that I have, it's not a sexy name either, but it's a position I think on the offensive line that is going to be a need that opens up. Center. Lloyd Cushenberry from the Denver Broncos. It's not a sexy name because I was looking at the center depth too because he can play yeah. center or guard. It's not like I said, it's not a sexy name, but <laughs> he's a good player. Where, he's a good player though. Yeah. He's a good player on a Denver offensive line that for a while did kind of struggle, but this year probably had their best year with Garrett Bowles, Mike McGlinchey, but then also two you have Cushenberry right up the middle. I say this too because I do think David Andrews is probably going to retire just because oh, no. I, no, we, I, I don't want to say it either because I love the guy. And he's a, he's been a model Patriot, part of two Super Bowls. One of my – two of my favorite videos ever, him screaming Mondre and by Sia at Arrowhead after the AFC Championship game. But it just – it's one of those things where if it's a not shocking retirement. You know it's not that catch you off guard kind of like – how do I say this? Patrick Willis when he retired like 10 mm-hmm. – long time ago one of those things but for internal candidates i'm gonna go hunter henry because as you see my twitter feed throughout patriots games i always tweet out when you get hunter henry the ball good things happen he is he's not a sexy tight end one i also don't think many of them become available in free agency yeah. he did he was a candidate to you know emerge and if bill goes to atlanta john who's gonna rip his hair out again but um i just had to make that statement quickly but with a guy like Hunter Henry, he kind of assures the tight end room. Plus, too, like you're saying, Sophie with the T. Higgins factor, it's a weapon that you can rely on. Another guy that I want – I just want to give another quick one just because well, it's my podcast. I'll do what I want. Um, he was hurt last year, but I would really like to see Kendrick Bourne come back. So, guys, if you really do want to make that happen, go buy some Bourne blessed merchandise off his store. Another patron, by the way, who's been very active on social media, I would say, since he got here – and as for GM as well, I'm going to say this right now. They do have a player GM right now who's been working the Twitterverse, so we'll see if he continues to do that. And if, uh, you know. I just need him to hit on a couple. He's been working yes. on the last two years. Bring me someone. <laughs> yes. I spoke to him about that. Just so clear, it's Matthew Judon, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Obviously, yes. We're all clear on that one. I, I think we were asking him about it when all the DeAndre Hopkins rumors were going around about, like, how's those efforts going? He's like, I don't know. I've been striking out. Let's see what happens. (laughs) He's good at it. He is good. And the other thing with Kendrick too, is he kind of hinted at the fact that he wanted, not even hinted, he straight up said it the other week when Demario Douglas posted something and commented being like, yo, tell the team to bring me back. And now he's been by born merge. I'm coming back. Um, I think it was Andrew Callahan from the Herald reported that talks have begun. So all signs are pointing and Bourne was their top receiver this year. And if you can bring in, you know, a real number one receiver, having Bourne at, at depth with at that position is, too. is incredible. I think that's, you know, I don't think he's the number one, maybe once, maybe, but come, he's coming off an ACL. It's just tough to come back from, but he could be a complimentary piece for that true number one. Plus you got pop Douglas who you say Hunter Henry's the guy you tweet, you know, whenever yep. that's, Demario Douglas with like every beat reporter right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's both. I've just always said Hunter Henry since like 21 because he was a guy that like <laughs> I remember with free agency that year it was always you know what if we get one of the two it's okay and then Monday it's hey we got John New I'm like oh, Hunter Henry whatever and then the next morning it's like holy crap they got Hunter Henry as well I'm like what the hell is going on here because that's the big thing with this team this year I feel like a lot of people and they're like oh Patriots are gonna suck next year. $72 million in cap money to spend. That's not a light amount. Like, it's not like, you know, they're the LA Chargers where you're have this team ready to go and you're $45 million over the cap with a bunch of 30 something year old plus guys, even though McCarter and I are both over the age of 30. Um, 
making all that money. But it's that thing where it's like, hey, you have a team that's young, you have a team with inexperience, you have a team where it's, hey, play your cards right. And I'm not saying they're going to be good, if you, but if you play their cards right, you're going to give Boston a thing to cheer for because when you think about it, Boston and sports, championships are expected. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, guys, you know what? Uh, Sophie, this was a blast having you on. And for anyone out there who may not know about you or if they want to find you online, share share where they can find you. Yeah, so my Twitter bio should just be right there where our names are. It's at Sophie Weller, two E's, two R's, because Sophie Weller with one E and one R was taken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I had a more creative reason, but I'm sticking with it. So that's where you can find me. I post all my articles um, on Twitter, so that's where you can find them for A to Z. Love to hear you guys go support, support Sophie out as she is an up and coming beat reporter with our new England Patriots. I say that why, because all three of us here, well, you know, the one guy down below me, he loves, uh, he's a guy with Wi-Fi. He loves to talk about the Patriots and meme stuff. Well, I do. I'm a guy with a microphone who loves to talk about the Patriots who lives North of the border. And we got the wonderful Sophie Weller who covers <laughs> the new England Patriots for A to Z sports. Well, anyway, guys, 275 in the books. Enjoy divisional weekend. McGarvin and I will be back here next week. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.